big around number on this week's edition of the show before the show podcast. One twenty episode one twenty. Yeah, that, that is where we are. It feels like there's some there's some juicy thing that we can have in that like 120. It's two minutes. It's I don't yeah. know like what a, it's 120 seconds. I don't know what there is to do about that. But <laughs> there are a lot uh, of people out there who are like, oh, if only these podcasts were 120 seconds. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, what if we did a 120 minute one and that's two hours? And they're like, no, you you people already take up like 75 minutes of our lives every yeah, week. True. We don't need to yeah. don't need to be adding more to that. We'll just talk really fast for 120 seconds. No, we're not gonna. Oh do God, it. I can. We're not gonna do yeah. it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Have you heard about Apologies these people who put on their their podcast like at two times or one and a half yeah. Times speed? Yeah. Yeah. What is with those people? Okay, good. I'm I'm glad we're on the same. That's page, insanity like, to me. I can't be listening to you know Fresh Air. No. Uh, and have Terry Gross sounding like Alvin the Chipmunk. By the way, let's just dive in real quick to we'll go on a big aside to get the the show started today. But I was listening to Fresh Air yesterday. And uh, Terry Gross is interviewing Jessica Williams, former correspondent on The Daily Show. And Jessica Williams was telling the story of how she met her boyfriend. And um, apparently one day, Jessica Williams lives in Brooklyn, like Sam, walked out of her building. And a dude just saw her on the street and went, oh, my God, I love you. And she turned around and he was like, I'm sorry. I've been out with my friends all day. I've had a little bit to drink, but I think you're hilarious. I think you're so talented, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they took a selfie together. He posted it somewhere online. She was hoping he would tag her in it. He didn't. And then like a week or 10 days later, she's out at a bar, runs into the same dude, and they start dating. And now they're like madly in love. So the moral of the story is if I am in New York and I see a celebrity crush, now I feel like maybe it isn't the most insane thing in the world to just say, oh, my God, I love you. Maybe you end up with that person. Tyler. What do you think? Tyler. What do you think? Tyler. What do you Tyler. think? I'm just going to keep saying Tyler until you realize how creepy that actually is. <laughs> hey, episode number 120 of the show before the show. You can find us on iTunes. We're on the Stitcher app. We're on Google Play, and we are at MILB.com slash podcast. He's Sam Dykstra. I'm Tyler Mon, and we will get started. We've got big things popping all over the prospect world as of the last week, 10 days or so. First and foremost is a brand new top 100 prospects from MLB Pipeline, which is a unique one the top 11 hitters on the updated midseason top 100 list the top 11 players are all hitters they're all offensive players top eight guys are all international signees there's not a lot of high-end pitching talent but there are a lot of guys who crush baseballs Yoan Mankata remains the top prospect in all of minor league baseball though he's up in the big leagues right now so Time could be winding down for Mankata, as you would assume. At some point, he will graduate off of this list pretty soon. Ahmed Rosario, the shortstop prospect in the New York Mets organization. Leapfrogs, Glaber Torres, the New York Yankees prospect. He is the number two prospect now in baseball and would inherit the mantle of the top prospect in baseball if and when Mankata graduates. Then it is Torres at number three. Rafael Devers, a guy who we'll talk about who's also in the big leagues right now. He is at number four. Victor Robles, the Washington Nationals outfield prospect, is number five. How about Vlad Guerrero Jr., who was the preseason number 34 in all of baseball and is now the sixth ranked prospect in baseball, the third baseman of the Toronto Blue Jays organization. Eloy Jimenez, recent trade acquisition to the Chicago Cubs. The outfielder is number seven. Ronald Acuna, Sam's man crush in the prospect community, the Atlanta Braves prospect. He is mm -hmm. number eight with Triple A Gwinnett. 
Brendan Rodgers, shortstop, and you could say second baseman. The Colorado Rockies organization is number nine. Kyle Tucker is number 10, the outfielder in the Houston Astros organization. Rounding out the 11 position players to get things started is Nick Senzel, who is at number 11, the Cincinnati Reds third baseman. Michael Kopech is the top-ranked baseball pitching prospect at number 12 in the White Sox organization. 11 hitters lead this list. That is amazing. Yeah, it kind of is. And I think it's just kind of a special moment in time. I don't think there's anything we really need to take away from this in terms of uh, our teams doing a better job of developing their hitters or whatever. I think it just happens to be at this point in time, you know, the the best prospects in the game right now are hitters. I, I'm, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, you know, I just don't think there's some big picture thing we need to take from it. And I don't think anybody's really tried that. I just want to kind of nip that in the bud at the beginning. But um, yeah, you you look at this group, you know, we could have that middle infield discussion all over again. I know we had it at the beginning of the year uh, with Torres and Rosario and Mancata and I, Tyler brought up that Mancata's now in the majors. I'm actually kind of I'm excited he's in the majors because he's a supreme talent, you know, five tool talent. Uh, there's a reason why he's number one uh, on this list. But I'm excited for him to be in the majors to potentially graduate just because we can stop having this debate about is he better than Rosario? Is he better than Torres? Is he better than Robles? Whatever. Um, you know, MLB has sided on his side saying, yes, he, you know, his numbers at AAA were pretty solid, but he still got the rest of the game going. He still got a really good hit tool. He's going to show lots of pop uh, from both sides of the plate. Really, really good runner, strong arm, whether he sticks at second long term, whatever. Anyways, we've had that discussion 10 times over. He's staying as the number one prospect for now. When he graduates, Rosario will assumedly move into that number two spot. Uh, I kind of want to get into the guys who are who have made big jumps, though. Uh, guys who were not in the top 100 at the beginning of the year and are now there. Uh, Bo Bichette, we've talked about plenty of times. He's now at number. Uh, he's now jumped into the top 100, dropped into the top 50. Uh, he is now at number 30. Juan Soto's at 42, the outfielder in the national system, currently injured, but was tearing the ball apart before that at Class A Hagerstown. Franklin Perez, really young pitcher in the Astro system, uh, he moves up to number 46. Sixto Sanchez, who is one of my big prospect crushes, you mentioned Ronald Acuna. Uh, Sixto Sanchez just throws tons of strikes, throws heat already. Uh, also has barely the walks name guys like- of a badass character in a Western, Sixto Sixto Sanchez, S I X T O. It's a fantastic name. I thought you were referencing a specific Western. No, I just think it would be a great. If somebody was writing a Western, Sixto Sanchez would be a terrific name for a character. It would be. It would be. And the the Lord knows the guy is accurate enough to feature in a Western. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would not be one straight shooter against him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So he jumps in. I'm sorry. Um, I think he could move up even more just once he shows that he can do this over a full season. So kind of stay tuned on him and the Philly system. And Jack Flaherty, who we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago uh, to talk about his jump now. You know, he was dominant at double A Springfield in the Cardinals system before this uh, has really shown and put it together at triple A Memphis as well. Um, He's been really fun. Now he's back in the top 100 discussion. Not only that, he's right in the thick of it at number 53. Uh, So so those are five guys who have jumped into the top 100 after being left off at the beginning of the preseason. Uh, Some other big jumpers I just want to get through real fast. I'll reel them off. Walker Bueller, who we've talked about a number of times. You know, this is his first fully healthy season. He's moved up since the AAA Oklahoma City after starting the year at Class A Advanced Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, Has one of the best package of pitches in the game right now. Uh, he jumped up. He was number 93, I think, at the beginning of the year. Now he's number 
13. Uh, a big reason for that is just because, you know, he's got a plus-plus fastball, a plus curveball, above average slider, and a solid changeup just to give guys different looks, throw in some good control, and you can see what how that kind of all comes together. He's right up there with, you know, a Kopech, a uh, uh, Brent Honeywell as the best pitching prospects in the game, so that's kind of exciting if you're a Dodgers fan, but also – um, you know, what is going to happen with him at AAA Oklahoma City? How are the Dodgers going to use him? Obviously, the Dodgers are having a very special season. Uh, he might be, well, he's the best arm in their system right now. Uh, do they try to get the most out of him, move him to the bullpen and move him to the majors already in this, his first fully healthy season after Tommy John? Uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see. The, that first AAA Oklahoma City start did not exactly go according to plan with him. He gave up two hits, three walks. Uh, without actually recording an out not great um but we'll see how that kind of progresses the more outings he gets in the pcl um so yeah it, this is always kind of fun to see later on you know we've seen so far how guys have done and we've discussed them and we know internally you know who who is jumping up but uh to see them now reflected in these rankings is kind of fun um and you know They'll be updated again the rest, you know, going into the offseason uh, a couple months from now. Uh, but just this allows us a snapshot of what the kind of state of the game is right now. It's obviously, you know, a little hitter friendly right now among prospects. And it's obviously a little international friendly, as Tyler mentioned. I think the first eight prospects in the game, uh, according to MLB Pipeline, are all international signees. You have to get to Brendan Rodgers at number nine before you get somebody who came through the draft. Uh, which I think is really interesting, especially with all the international pool changes that are coming in. Um, you know, is there something to be taken away from that? I, I said there's not necessarily that with hitters, but with the investments you can make in the international market, are guys gonna, or are organizations going to look at this and realize just how much talent is there and how much return on investment you can get? Uh, that'll be kind of fascinating to watch going forward. So, uh, yeah, like I said, snapshot for now, but uh, we'll keep an eye on how guys continue to improve and how high they can even climb going into the offseason. Chicago White Sox system, which we talked about after the deals that they made in recent weeks, they now have eight prospects in the top 100 in the updated rankings. The Atlanta Braves have nine. Each of those organizations is equal with 527 prospect points, which is the ranking system that MLB Pipeline uses. You get 100 points for having the top prospect in baseball. So, for example, the White Sox get 100 points. The Mets get 99 points for having Ahmed Rosario at number two. The Yankees get 98 for Glaber Torres at number three, et cetera, et cetera. So the Braves and the White Sox have 527 points. The Next highest organization, the Tampa Bay Rays have 296 prospect points. There are three teams that do not check in with any top 100 prospects at the midway point. Those are the Kansas City Royals, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and the Miami Marlins, uh, and the Chicago Cubs, Arizona Diamondbacks, San Francisco Giants, and Baltimore Orioles. Oh, and the Seattle Mariners and Texas Rangers. They all have one prospect apiece. Um, but there is right now it's like there's the Braves and the White Sox and then there's everybody else and there are a lot of other good systems just shows you how really good those two systems are yeah and that you know these are they assign prospect points for this MLB pipeline does based on top 100 I, I think right. the Yankees would certainly climb I think they're well, let's see one two three four five six seven eight ninth in prospect points but they have such a deep system of guys that don't quite crack the top 100 but are certainly interest interesting in their own right uh, the Phillies are right there in that discussion as well. Uh, and I think the Padres would climb up, up maybe even a little higher. Uh, although they're number four, I think they're probably a top five system right now as well. So, um, 
you know, take that for what it's worth, but they also updated the top 30 so you can dig into your favorite organization and, and see what is beyond just these big names that we, we kind of herald as the top 100. And um, this also notably includes the 27 draft as well. So if you had been checking the rankings over the first few weeks of July and thought, why am I not finding Royce Lewis here? Why am I not finding Hunter Green? Where's Mackenzie Gore? Those guys are all included now in the rankings for each team. So you can find the top 30 by team and the top 100 prospects in all baseball now at MLBpipeline.com. Sam, strike two. One of those guys we were just talking about a minute ago is up in the big leagues now, and as of today, we're recording this on Wednesday the 26th. His first major league hit a homer. That's Rafael Devers of the Boston Red Sox. Devers this year, 77 games with A Portland, just nine games with A Pawtucket, and he's up in the big leagues. This is a big jump. He is a very, very young guy. Won't turn 21 until October of this year. Uh, does it feel like a rush to you to get Devers to the big leagues at this stage, or do you think he's ready right now? Oh, I absolutely think he's ready. Um, I thought he should have been moved up to Pawtucket weeks ago. Uh, you know, the Red Sox kind of had a situation where they were trying to figure out what to do with Pablo Sandoval. Right. He was technically on a rehab assignment. They brought in Johnny Peralta to see if maybe he could even start hitting a triple-A and maybe be a third base option for them. Um but it, it it just always seemed that the solution was sitting there. I mean, their best prospect was a third baseman. Yes, he is very young. He is 20. He's just started playing double-A ball this year. But he was tearing it up there. He was hitting 300 with a 369 OBP, 575 slugging percentage, 18 homers in 77 games. Uh, you know, he doesn't strike out as much as you might expect for somebody with that much power. He, he's just such a good offensive player the questions always came up about like his defense. Okay, yes, I get it. You know, he comes in at six foot one ninety five, and I think that one ninety five might be a little generous. Uh, it's a very high maintenance body. Uh, he doesn't look necessarily like an athletic third baseman. And I know the folks in Boston have kind of gone through that already with Pablo Sandoval. Everybody said like, oh yeah, he he looks like out of shape, but he's been like this his whole life. He'll figure it out. Listen, Devers might move to first base at some point, but. All the way up the chain, you know, I've been following this guy since he was in the DSL uh, when they were talking about the, the sound just sounds or the bat. The ball just sounds different off the bat, which I know is a little cliched. But, um, you know, everybody you talk to said this is a guy who at every stop was showing more power than you would expect for somebody of his age. And everybody said, listen, you think he might not be a great third baseman and he'll take his errors here and there. But he is more nimble at third base than you'd expect. He can certainly be a major league average third baseman right now. That might change as he gets older, as he loses a hitch in his step. But he'll be fine at the hot corner. It just seemed like people were kind of going out of their way to explain why Devers was not ready. But he's shown at every step this year. I didn't really see him struggle that much. If he did, it wasn't for an extended period of time. Uh, you know, Seeing him at the Futures game, I think he was the only guy to get a hit off Brent Honeywell, who was the MVP. Obviously, the smallest sample sizes than that but he swung at the first pitch against Honeywell after seeing him dominate in the first inning uh Honeywell even said he was surprised he swung at the first pitch the guys advanced in so many different ways and when you have such a question mark as the Red Sox have had at third base this year it seemed like they were just going out of their way tripping over themselves to to, to not bring up Devers because I think they were worried about what happened last year with the old Mankata he was brought up to play third base they moved him a position he was a right. second baseman they moved him to third base Sandoval was struggling had his injuries all that kind of stuff Rod Mankata struck out a ton uh, 
really struggled in the majors and they decided to just shut it down with him and not worry about his uh, or not try to hurt his confidence and even more. I don't think they wanted that again. This, the change is Moncada was trying to learn a new position while also fa- facing major league uh, pitching. Devers has played third base his entire minor league career. There is not that adjustment level in terms of defense that there was with Moncada. Uh, I think people were just being a little too overcautious. Um, you know, they certainly ran out of options. They were involved in that Todd Frazier discussion before he went to the Yankees. Uh, he might have been a good fit, especially you know with his power hitting in Fenway Park. Um, but Devers already showing you know that homer today against the Mariners was beauty straightaway center. That's exactly what he's shown at Portland. It's what he showed in a brief time at Pawtucket. Uh, this guy was ready, and I, I can't imagine he's going to stumble uh, in the same way that Mancata did last year. Things get a little hairy after that trade for Eduardo Nunez. Uh, if you haven't heard about that, the Red Sox picked up. Eduardo Nunez from the Giants for two pitching prospects this week. Um, they might split time right now. You know, uh, Devers hits from the left side exclusively, so Nunez might get the nod against left-handers. I still think Devers is a good enough hitter against left-handers that he should be getting the full-time job. Nunez can be a good guy coming off the bench. Uh, he can full, fill multiple positions, maybe help out in the outfield. I don't think this stunts... Devers is playing time, or it shouldn't at the very least. Um, but we'll have to keep an eye on that going forward. But he, he certainly earned this. This is not a, an aggressive push, I feel like, by any means. Rafael Devers today went out opposite field. StatCast measured it at 108.5 miles per hour on exit velocity, 427 feet for his first career major league hit and his first career major league homer. Um, Devers is the youngest Red Sox player to homer since Tony Canigliaro did it as a 19-year-old in 1964. He had 24 total that year. Um, so not a bad start, not a bad comp for your first major league hit. And uh, Rafael Devers has broken onto the big league scene in that way. That was in Seattle's first major league home run and his first major league knock. Strike three this week, Sam. Marco Gonzalez, who is now the 11th ranked prospect in the Seattle Mariners organization. And this week made headlines because he was involved in, as you duly noted in your story, kind of a rare thing in baseball, which is just a prospect for prospect deal in which Gonzalez goes from the St. Louis Cardinals to the Seattle Mariners in exchange for slugger Tyler O'Neill, friend of the podcast, friend of the site. Um, we don't often see just a one-for-one trade of a prospect for a prospect without anybody else being involved. This is a unique one. Yeah, and it's fun, you know, because I think we think of prospects as almost like pearls. You need to clutch them. Like, you just need to hold right. on to them as much as you can, and you only give them up for bigger and better things. Um, but, you know, prospects don't always fit certain systems. You know, they, they're they brought up in those systems, they're drafted in those systems, signed, whatever. Uh, but sometimes there's better fits elsewhere, and this is what that kind of felt like. Uh, you know, the Mariners are looking for young, controllable pitching. And we always talk about that. And you think of like, OK, who's a major leaguer who hasn't undergone arbitration? But sometimes that can still be a prospect. I mean, Gonzalez has major league experience. We'll get into that with him later. Uh, he was kind of put on the fast track with the Cardinals uh, before, you know, suffering all sorts of arm injuries, shoulder injuries. He underwent Tommy John surgery that knocked him out last year and brought him back this year. But he's been showing uh, you know that he's fully back. He that uh, changeup that I think is is his best pitch is still a really really good pitch, working really well for him uh, when he was with Triple A Memphis, and 
he ticks all those boxes for the Mariners. And, you know, we've joked before, especially in the offseason, Jerry Depoto will trade for us one day or trade us. Yeah. Even though he doesn't control us, um, he, he'll find a way to trade us. He'll figure it out. Work. Yeah. Um, so he's a, a GM who is willing to be creative. And Gonzalez was somebody there. He hadn't yet really gotten his chance this year in St. Louis. I think he got one start, didn't really go well. He was sent immediately back to Memphis. And, and, uh, so, you know, he found a prospect that he liked, a guy who has really good control. He's only walked 18 batters and 80 in the third innings this year in the minors. Um, you know, now he's in Tacoma. You know, he had to pay a kind of high price. Tyler O'Neill at the time was a top 100 prospect. He fell out during the update, and then I think he's now back in. He's at number 100. Um, but he's somebody whose stock was coming down a little bit. Uh really struggled at the beginning of the year in the Pacific Coast League, which you don't really want to see because that's such a hitter's league that you would expect somebody with his type of power uh, could really take off. Um, the timing was a little curious. I think he hit five homers in his last five games before the yeah, trade. Really so you started to think. Ball since about the middle of June. Yeah, you would think like he's coming back and he's starting to rebuild his stock again. And this is going to be interesting. How are the Mariners going to use him? And then they trade him like this. Um, but it kind of tells you that as much as we take the prospect rankings kind of as gospel and as the truth, all organizations value different prospects and different pieces in different ways. Uh, Gonzalez has a lot more value to the Mariners as a team trying to make a playoff push push and needing pitching. They don't need an outfielder like O'Neal. Uh, the Cardinals trying to figure themselves out in that NL Central that's kind of wacky right now. Um, but O'Neal is a chance to kind of buy low. You know, Gonzalez was behind everybody on the depth chart. O'Neill could be behind other guys. Harrison Bader got called up to St. Louis this week. He's a really talented prospect who is also coming from Memphis. Um, so O'Neill's got to deal with him. He's got to deal with Stephen Piscotti, Randall Grichik, uh, Dexter Fowler, uh, Tommy Pham. I mean, there's so many other variables going on there, but the Cardinals get a chance for a guy who really does have plus plus power, uh, could really take off. And yeah, it's, it's just so fascinating to see two teams deal with prospects straight up in this way without somebody being DFA'd or something like that. The one interesting thing about this um, from the perspective of Tyler O'Neill and the Cardinals is it seemed like Tyler O'Neill was such a good fit for the Mariners and in an American League organization because he could DH. Um, I mean, he's an average graded fielder. His fielding tool is a 50 grade, according to MLB Pipeline, which is Major League Average. His arm is a 55, so slightly above Major League Average. But, uh, you know, I mean, the Mariners are another organization that has a good amount of outfield depth, and he kind of figured Tyler O'Neill can factor in no matter what. He can be in the lineup basically every day because you can DH him if you want to get some of these other guys the innings in the field. So it's somewhat curious in that regard for a Cardinals organization that also has depth and is acquiring somebody who would seem to profile a lot more because of his offensive strength than defensively. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who, when he gets it going, there are a few players who string together stretches quite like we've seen Tyler O'Neill do over the last couple of seasons and now in the second half of the minor leagues. Um, but for Marco Gonzalez, I mean, this is really an opportunity for the Mariners to have bought low on a guy who can really give you a lot going forward. He is somebody who profiles as a mid-to-back rotation type of guy. If he sticks in a rotation people have thought maybe at a time that he would be slotted for long relief at some point in his career but this year he just looks a lot more like the guy that we saw when he was drafted he made it to the big leagues within a year I mean he was a first round pick in 2013 he was in the majors and pitching in the postseason in 2014 so Marco Gonzalez has proven that he can be effective at the major league level he pitched in 10 games that year he made five starts 
4.15 was the ERA. Opponents batted 241 against him. He fanned 31 and 34 and two-thirds innings. So the stuff is there. The command is really, really good. The control is really good with Marco Gonzalez. That oftentimes is the most difficult thing to recapture when you're coming off a of Tommy John surgery, which he was, uh, which robbed him of his 2016 season. But this is, for the Mariners, a chance to add a piece that this time three years ago, I don't think we ever would have thought that this type of deal could land Marco Gonzalez. Um, and, you know, to be fair, I don't think this time two years ago we would have thought that a prospect for prospect trade was going to get Tyler O'Neill either. So it's a curious one. But like you said, it's exciting because we don't see this happen very often. And there are a lot of intricacies and levels to this deal with each of these organizations that makes it interesting moves and interesting acquisitions on either side. Yeah. Um, and, and I would love to see more deals like this happen. Um, just in terms of, you know, oh, this organization doesn't really have pitching. Okay, well, this organization has plenty of pitching. Looking at you, Braves, um, and, or something like that. You know, I, I would just love to see teams match up in this way, but I I think it's going to take something like this working out or, I, I don't know, more creative GMs like Jerry DePoto, something like that uh, for us to see it. But, you know, it, it's it's fun to us to talk about. It's fun, of us, fun for us to uh, – kind of project forward and we'll, we'll be paying attention to both of these guys the rest of the year so that'll do it for this week's edition of three strikes coming up we are uh inundated with promo talk this week we got a ton of good promos on the docket for this week no benjamin hill he is off in uh in gallivanting about new york city but sam and i will break down some of the best and brightest in the world of minor league baseball promos coming up next Ordinarily, this time of the show, we would talk to Benjamin Hill about what's coming up in promotions around minor league baseball this week. Apparently, he just bailed on us to go to a Tom Petty concert because it's 1988. Is that what I'm hearing? Hey, hey, do, uh, we will not be trashing. Oh, but Tom ain't that Petty. America? Wait, is that is that uh, is that the Cougar? Yeah, you're making it sound is that like John, John Cougar, Cougar Mellencamp? Mellencamp. Tom Petty. You're gonna just bring up Bruce Him, Springsteen. Springsteen. Next. Yeah, they're all the same. It's all the same yeah. dude. No, it's all no, the no, same no. bad. We're not going to be trashing Petty and the Heartbreakers <laughs> on this this here podcast. Is he still with the Heartbreakers, it. or is it just him now? I mean, I can't imagine they would ever separate, right? I don't know. I honestly don't. Um, they're called the Heartbreakers, Sam. That's probably uh, all they do is separate. Yeah. See, that's why I set you up for that one. <laughs> So, instead, Sam and I will be diving into Promo Watch this week for uh, the last full week of the month of July in the 2017 Minor League Baseball season, which means we have one month left of Promo Watch, which is insane. Um, but let's get into it. Let's start um, in Bowie. There's a there's a huge topic that we want to get to, a promo that we're both very jazzed about. Um, but let's talk about some of these other ones first. One that is coming up on Friday one that we've heard about for a while, which kind of goes in contrast to this next promo that we're going to discuss. But coming up on Friday, the 28th, the Bowie Bay Sox will once again change their name to the Bowie Bay Sox in honor of David Bowie. Um, this is part of the Bay Sox's David Bowie tribute and 70th birthday celebration. They've been doing kind of David Bowie-related stuff um, all year, and this is cool because it's the most obvious tie-in it's spelled the exact same way although i still to this day i don't know how you get buoy out of b-o-w-i-e neither here <laughs> nor there um coming up on friday the Bay Sox will be wearing uh, some special theme jerseys that have kind of a, a Ziggy Stardust feel. This is a combination of a Ziggy Stardust outfit and the Union Jack flag, according to uh, Bay Sox promotions manager Chris Rogers. They're doing some cool stuff with this this Bowie Bowie promotion. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it obviously means 
something because he, you know, recently passed away. Uh, I think they did this last year as well. Um, so, you know, it, it's it, it's not that often where a team just makes sense uh, to do a promotion in this way and, and to see Bowie uh, take not take advantage because it, it's supposed to be kind of a, uh, you know, remembrance night for David Bowie, who, you know, is one of the best uh, artists or, you know, musical artists of all time, probably certainly of the last uh, century even. Um, you know, you don't want to say they were taking advantage, but still like this is something that should happen almost with regularity. Like it just makes too much sense. So th- to see the amount of effort they're putting into it, they're not just like, yeah, Hey, we're, we're, we'll play some, uh, Bowie songs and you know, Hey, if you like suffragette city, tune in for the third inning and that's about it. No, like every batter is going to have a Bowie walk-up song, uh, which kind of makes me wonder if they're going to be able to choose it themselves or if they're assigned. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, they're I probably I... just assigned. Yeah, think. probably. Unless oh, there's like uh, a very strong feeling among somebody who knows this promo night is coming up and is like, no, I have to have this specific song. Yeah, I would like to give the Bay Sox more credit. The team itself, like the players, the players more credit. That they, yeah, that they've been studying up on their Bowie discography. Could be. Pre- preparing for all this. Um, but yeah, no, they're really taking advantage of it, and that should be a lot of fun. Um, it, it's kind of interesting that they call it the Union Jack. Are you... Have, do you have that picture up right now? I do. Yeah, it doesn't really look like a Union Jack. Is that just me? It's the the backside of the jersey almost looks like they cut a Union Jack down the middle and then they flipped each side over. Like it's yeah. almost like a Union Jack looking at it through a kaleidoscope. But without the central bar or Right, the, like the central bar seems like it's split on the outside of the jerseys yeah. rather than Yeah, it's a little Anyways, it's a little different that's, looking. That's that's a whole other thing for our flag podcast, not <laughs> this podcast. But um yeah, no, that definitely cool that this kind of happens every year. And uh yeah, Ben wrote it up for Promo Watch. He would have more to say of it. He's written more about it. Um, but something we want to draw your attention to uh if you are in the buoy area or for one night only the Bowie area. I guess it's fitting then that Ben bailed on us to go to a concert since uh, our first promo that we're talking about this week is music related um elsewhere around minor league baseball this week the jackson generals will be um honoring shark week on discovery channel uh they'll be wearing shark week jerseys uh coming up on july 29th that will be saturday the potomac nationals We'll be talking about here in a minute. Coming up on Saturday as well, they will be giving out a Steven Strasburg flamethrower bobblehead, which is interesting because Steven Strasburg has only ever pitched one game for Potomac in his life, and that was in 2011. Oddly enough, I was on the call for the visiting team for that game. It was against the Myrtle Beach Pelicans at Potomac's G. Richard Fitzner Stadium. He was coming back from Tommy John surgery. So kind of a little... Maybe a little bit of a stretch, but still sort of cool that the Peanuts are going to go with the, uh, the bobblehead for Steven Strasburg, who... Doesn't have a long and illustrious Potomac career, but does have a Potomac career. Um, and the uh, Sacramento River Cats will be dressing themselves as the Sacramento Tomatoes coming up on Saturday, which will honor the city's farm to fork agriculture culture, as Ben put it, agriculture culture. Um, and uh, <laughs> tomatoes, you know, it's the latest in a long line of teams that are lining up as food items i like sacramento's I, jerseys though for these they're cool i definitely like the jerseys because they're they, very I old mean, school it, looking yeah it's very simple it's just your basic red and white like it's not trying to be like this big splashy thing although i i don't know if uh you think they have green hats oh that's a good question the, it's the, rare the, the, the tomato hats actually for... they do have green hats oh I, okay I it up. they did but it's it's good. one of those funny things where it's a green hat 
with an angry tomato who is wearing a green hat. Oh, it's but an the infinite regression. green hat has a fork. Oh. So this is not a Baltimore Orioles situation. It oh. is not a tomato wearing a hat of a tomato of a hat. Oh, that's lame. Yeah, that's whatever. like Lowell. Uh, the Lowell Spinners have a logo that has an alligator wearing a cap that the team does not wear, which I find <laughs> very entertaining. He's wearing a red cap with a white L, and the Spinners do not have such a cap. But the alligator does, which I think is cool. Yeah, it's unique. I, it's unique to the alligator. Yeah, I don't. There you go, Bowie. There's would, a promotion for next year. Bowie. I don't think they would sell uh, four cats. Lowell, not Bowie. Um, yeah, no, that's probably true. Um, okay, Let, we have two really cool promos um, that we want to dive into. And first, we're going to go for an, a nationwide-ish promo. It will soon be, coming up in 2018, will be a much larger promo. Um, but let's read from the release from Minor League Baseball itself in St. Petersburg, Florida. Quote, Minor League Baseball tonight, today launched Es Divertido Ser Un Fan, a new multicultural fan engagement platform aimed at specifically connecting with Hispanic and Latino baseball fans in 160 markets throughout the United States and Canada. The program will debut this August in select MILB markets, including Las Vegas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Kane County, Illinois, and Visalia, California, with a national expansion planned for 2018. This is a really really cool initiative uh prior to the season we wrote up a story for the site on minor league baseball's hometown collection which has been added to the milb store this year throwback logos and hats and uniform implements and t-shirts and all that kind of stuff uh that have been up on the store in that conversation that i had with kurt hunzecker who's one of the brand manager gurus behind the minor league baseball identity with the milb headquarter level in st petersburg florida he mentioned that one thing MILB is very mindful of is the fact that there's a massive portion of the minor league baseball fan base that minor league baseball hasn't really catered to as of yet hasn't really made a determined concerted outreach to as of yet and this is now the first real step into that arena and it's so so well done four teams will be suiting up under in some cases unique and new identities uh the visalia rawhide are going to keep kind of the same concept they're going to be the visalia toros the kane county cougars will remain the kane county cougars they'll have special uniforms the charlotte knights will turn into the charlotte caballeros and the coolest one for my money in this las vegas the 51s will uh, go entirely away from the uh, alien theme to become the Reyes de Plata, the Silver Kings, which celebrates Las Vegas and Nevada's uh, history in the mining business, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Their logo is incredible. It's kind of a Dia de los Muertos skull that's got a torn cowboy hat on. It's amazing. Um, you can see the the logos, the jerseys, all this stuff is up at MILB.com right now. These teams do have some of this merchandise on sale. I know if you want to get a Reyes de Plata hat uh, or shirt, that stuff is on sale right now for Las Vegas. But this is a really, really cool outreach program. Yeah, and it, it's almost something that it feels like it was a long time coming. Um, obviously, there's a big uh, Hispanic population that follows baseball. You only have to look at the game right now to see uh, you have just how many Hispanic players there are, and that means Hispanic fan bases, and you want to see those fan bases represented in the game itself and in some of the promos and some of these areas, um, you know, Visalia, uh, Vegas and Charlotte makes sense. And Kane County uh, apparently has a very large Hispanic population. Um, one of the largest around Chicago, uh, which is interesting. So th this is kind of an opportunity to reach out to those groups, say, listen, we want to talk to you about more than just baseball. 
uh, you know, and and just these rebranding efforts. I mean, Tyler hit the nail on the head. Are really cool looking. The Visalia Toros. I really like that kind of switch. I I wouldn't almost mind them becoming the Visalia Toros. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. Yeah, because it just makes so much sense for that region and just so much sense in terms of a, a branding effort. Uh, and Reyes de Plata is just so much more fun than the 51s at this point, which yeah. feels kind of kind of stale and like, okay, I get it. You're the, you're aliens and Area 51 and you know, all that. This brings a little bit more you know, flavor to the region and a little bit more flavor to the team. And the, the logo is fun and the all this kind of excitement that we've seen um, just in our, re- you know, and the mentions of Milb and all this other stuff and uh, the way we've been following since the story came out, it's been a lot of fun. So, you know, the four teams right now, I, you know, I'm not speaking in any official capacity. This is just for me. I would love to see this kind of expand out. Uh, more teams take this on, maybe become a, a Milb wide initiative, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, to see th- this in this area and see the excitement that comes with it, I think we can all learn a lesson from it and uh, hopefully great things come from come from it going forward and again um this is four markets for 2017 there is a national expansion of this initiative plan for 2018 and this kind of expands on the whole it's fun to be a fan campaign which minor league baseball of course unveiled back in march and has been a huge hit um but the 51s thing is so cool i mean right now if you google las vegas 51s like the first three stories that come up for the las vegas 51s news hits are about this name change uh which is coming up next month it's the very first thing on the 51s homepage when you go to their site, uh, the Reyes de Plata logo, which I had actually not even seen the full logo. I had seen kind of the head logo, um, which will be on the caps, but there is a full body logo of this skeleton who's carrying a pickaxe over his shoulder. He still has the torn cowboy hat on. It's awesome. So you can go check all that stuff out uh, at MILB.com and at the team sites for these four clubs. Again, Charlotte, Visalia, Las Vegas, and the Kane County Cougars, the four teams will be involved in this for 2017 and a lot more coming up in 2018. Okay, this next one is the big one. And oddly enough, it sort of fell under the radar because it was just announced on Tuesday. We're recording this on Wednesday, and it'll happen on Thursday. So if you are anywhere near Woodbridge, Virginia, and you're a Seinfeld fan, get to Fitzner Stadium, the home of the Potomac Nationals, on Thursday night because the Peanuts announced on Tuesday that they will be hosting Ode to George Costanza night, which is, I got to say, one of the most thorough, deepest, detailed promos especially one that pertains to a tv show or a pop culture reference or something that i have ever seen and we're gonna cover like a ton of this promo because it's so in depth but the thing that i really think the overarching lesson of this is what's neat for for people like us I guess me and Ben more than Sam, since Sam's like 20 years younger than us. But the the promos that are coming out now, I think are really cool because you can tell that everybody who's coming up with these promos in minor league front offices grew up at the same time that we grew up. So that's what's sort of neat is like we're getting all these 90, 90s themed promos or these things about the old Nickelodeon shows or Fresh Prince or Saved by the Bell, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Seinfeld, all this stuff that is coming from things that were big trends when we were all forming our opinions on what we liked and didn't like in life. And so if you're in your, you know, mid twenties to late thirties or something right now, like you're kind of in it. Like this is the golden age for those of us who are in that range and minor league promos, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I was going to say, are you, are you saying I, I don't get these references? 
No, I mean, Tyler, you do. You're just so uh, Are you saying that so I will young, not get... Sam. Sam is getting upset. <laughs> Sam is getting upset. That's it. This was supposed to be the summer of Sam. No, actually, that's wrong. Whoa! I can't, I can't, Whoa! No, that's, Whoa! No, never, that's not... No. Oof, jeez. See, I can't, I can't take this joke too Did far. Not, it doesn't work. <laughs> no one, and no one would be bringing that in. Oddly enough, though, there's a Seinfeld episode with a Son of Sam reference in it. Okay, so let's dive into this. Thursday night. These are just some of the things that the Peanuts will be doing with George Costanza-themed, I guess, aspects of the game. These are just ticket deals alone. This is just for ticket deals. One free grandstand ticket will be provided to any fan with the legal last name of Vandalay or O'Brien. O'Brien is a pretty deep cut for Seinfeld fans. That's from a real early episode where they think that George is like a, a neo-Nazi um, who's going to give a speech at Madison Square Garden. Or Costanza or Cartwright, also kind of a deep cut. You have to have proof of, proof of ID. One free ticket to any fan with Coco or Lewis and any part of their full legal name. George's middle name was Lewis. He was once given the nickname Coco because he looked like a gorilla doing sign language while he was yelling at somebody at work. One $5 grandstand ticket for bald guys with the classic horseshoe pattern. Anyone wearing a cotton New York Yankees jersey, which is fantastic because there's an episode where it has to be cotton, which is like almost impossible, I would think, to find. There's an episode where George says that the polyester uniforms are too rigid. They're not breathable. Cotton's a breathable fabric. So he gets the Yankees to switch to cotton uniforms. Then they wash and dry them. They all shrink. Don Mattingly splits his pants. It's a whole thing. Um, Residents of Brooklyn and Long Island, New York, uh, all marine biologists, a very famous episode. Any group of three guys and one girl will get one free grandstand ticket. The group can decide who gets the free ticket, but let's be honest, it should be the Elaine in your group because she has to put up with all the rest of you. Anyone named Lloyd Braun, this is one of my favorites, will be charged a $5 service fee for any ticket <laughs> transaction. So it all comes back to Lloyd. Uh, Jason Alexander himself has been offered free admission. I would imagine that he probably won't show up, but if he does, he'll get a complimentary, a complimentary premium ticket, which at the fits uh, debatable what that means, but still. Um, and if the peanuts go out on a high note via a walk-off victory over their opponents that night, the Myrtle beach Pelicans, Every fan in attendance will get one free grandstand ticket voucher to any remaining 2017 Peanuts home game upon exiting the ballpark. That is just the ticket deals alone. Some of the other brilliant stuff in this promotion, any fans who donate a white sweater with a red stain on it, We'll get 40% off in the team store. Um, stains on the sweaters will be removed by Team Peanuts representatives, and the sweaters will then be given to a local donation shelter. Uh, there is so much. This is like one of the deepest possible promotions that you could. Th- There's so much stuff in this. It's ridiculous. And being that this is like Seinfeld is my life, um, I this is maybe my favorite promo of all time. Yeah, no, it's just Fantastic. like. Fantastic. It, the fact that they go this deep, I know the Cyclones had like Seinfeld night before, but this right. is just so deep into one character, which is just so awesome. Um, I would love to know why they did it now. I, I think, is it a Festivus thing, you think? Like everybody else is Maybe doing it could July. be like a halfway to Festivus, I guess. You could do like, well, except that would have been June since Festivus is technically. No, I know, but everybody else. Everybody does Christmas, Christmas in July. July. That's true. So maybe it's like a Festivus yeah. in July. Could yeah, be. somebody's got to do a Festivus in July. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's I I want them to, there to be like so many characters. Like I want somebody to actually try to order soup at one of the things and then try to return it. <laughs> just have like you know a seventy year old employee of the team go up and just start yelling, trying to return soup at a, at a, one of the deli stands. He was angry that yeah. day, my friends. I know. Yeah, 
Um, just somebody <laughs> making a mistake and then, or like the, if they could rope in the manager, just get the manager to like do do something, argue, get tossed out, and then go back up to the umpire and say, "Was that wrong? Did I <laughs> should I not have done was that, that?" Frowned upon. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta plead ignorance on this thing. Um, just uh, yeah, just there's it's such a rich vein for comedy and just promotion. But to see teams go, you know, the extra mile with all of these things. I mean, I would love to know. I would love to get like hard data back on how many you know coco showed up if there was an actual coco yeah um you know the how many residents of brooklyn and long island show up because you know as somebody who lives in brooklyn right now i would love to go to the game and you could take and a train down there five dollars yeah but that that's going to be a little bit expensive more expensive <laughs> hey man the, if you had lewis in your name you can get in free i know yeah if only i'll, I'll bring that up to my parents yeah uh it's more, it's more likely I would have O'Brien in my name than I think Lewis, but <laughs> different story. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we could keep going with all the 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 quotes in this, and I'm sure they're going to be doing all sorts of things. But if you could, I'll just turn this to you, Tyler, because you're much more into Seinfeld than I could ever be, and I'm I'm a pretty big fan myself. If you could have a walk-up Costanza quote, like with Bowie, there were, you know, Bowie songs that they're going to be walking yeah. up to, but like you could walk up and it's going to be a Costanza quote, what would it be? Oh, man. Um, there is a line where uh, George is going to see a therapist, and um, he's talking to her about his parents and how they're all crazy and whatever, and um, he's talking to her also about how NBC is interested in picking up the pilot for the show Jerry, etc. And he says, that'll never happen. God would never let me be happy. And the therapist goes, I thought you didn't believe in God. And George goes, I do for the bad things. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the most brilliantly written moments. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the most brilliantly written moments in the history of that show. The more I read in this promo, though, like the more brilliant it becomes. uh, They'll have hand models on the video board in left field at the Fitz, which will be Peanuts pitchers will be showing off pitch grips. Um, the video board will also have advertisements from supporting. Co- this night is brought to you by Vandalay Industries. It'll be featuring co-sponsors including Kruger Industrial Smoothing, the Human Fund, the Susan Ross Foundation, the Sunshine Carpet Cleaners, Costanza and Son, and Mario's Pizza. Um, they will also be providing safe wedding invitation tips on the video board, reminding fans who are engaged to one check the wedding envelopes adhesive for toxicity level, two clear your staircase of envelopes, and three don't marry Susan Ross. Um, Another fun tie-in, by the way, Susan Ross, her father in Seinfeld, Lucas Giolito's grandfather, oddly enough. He has now passed away, but one of the great characters in Seinfeld history. Um, and also, Bodysuit Man may make an appearance mid-game on the field, which is very exciting. My favorite thing about this entire promo, though, as it is written on the Peanuts site, it says, actor Jason Alexander, who played George Costanza on Seinfeld, blah, blah, blah. Jason Alexander is hyperlinked and it takes you unwittingly to the MILB.com player page of Arizona League Angels right-handed pitching reliever Jason Alexander, who has made seven appearances in the AZL this year for the rookie-level Angels, and I had no idea existed until this promo. And now we know there's a Jason Alexander uh, in the minor leagues. Unfortunately, there's not a Lloyd Braun, and there's not a George Costanza, but still... This is as good. If I could give out grades, this would be an A++++ promo. This is fantastic. 
Yeah, we need to engineer a trade of some sort yeah. to get Jason Alexander to the Nationals and then called up to the Peanuts. I'm going to tweet at him and see day. if he's even seen this. I'm sure the, the Peanuts <laughs> have done that, but, you know, uh, it's worth a shot. Um, and so the, when all, Yeah, when all of you listen to this, check in on Tyler's yeah, see page if, and just see, see if that went Jason viral. Jason Alexander has responded. Um, yeah. <laughs> the... the 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 press release ends ordinarily at the end of press releases teams will have something that says like about the potomac nationals or about the company that's sponsoring an event whatever this one ends about vandalay industries vandalay industries is an import export company they manufacture and sell latex they sell latex and latex related products vandalay industries is located at 186 west 81st street new york new york vandalay industries is led by art vandalay one of the best importer exporters in the northeast and man whoever did this i want to hang out with so badly potomac <laughs> identify yourself this is fantastic and, uh, yeah we'll we'll get you your requisite dap uh, on twitter and whatnot it's amazing um so a lot of good stuff going on in promos this week around the minor leagues uh again check out the very very cool uh initiative from milb estevertito i'm not gonna try to pronounce it and butcher it again but uh the the outreach to hispanic and latino fans for markets this season will take the field in some very cool uniforms new names all that kind of stuff which will be expanded in 2018 check that out check this out on the peanut site of course you can check out promo watch from benjamin hill who is on twitter at ben's biz and you can check out the blog ben's biz on mlblogs.com and ben has a new road trip coming up yeah he's going to uh, binghamton starting i think on friday he'll be going to binghamton hartford for two nights um in hartford then on to wilmington frederick redding and altoona so a northeast trip uh, i talked to him he's renting a car out of new york city driving all around the place uh hitting up you know pennsylvania connecticut uh delaware um Maryland, all, all these various stops on the Northeast. So if you get a chance, it's his pin tweet. Go and check that out to see what the dates are, see if they can match up. We've already had the, the Binghamton designated eater, designated eater, excuse me, reach out and say, you listen to the podcast. If you're somebody else, uh, uh, you know, let Ben know that you heard about the trip through us. And I, I don't think he's going to give you like a discount. I don't know what he would do, but <laughs> it would just be a, a hearty thank you, I think, from Ben's biz. And that, that means a lot. So, you can go find Ben on Twitter. He's at Ben's Biz, and bensbiz.mlblog.com is the blog. And presumably, we'll talk to Ben next week, and we'll wrap up the show next. Sam, what are you watching on MILB.TV this week? By the way, yesterday, um, got a chance to talk to J.D. Davis in the Houston Astros organization. And J.D., in the middle of a story, gave us a little plug for MILB.TV. He said, yeah, I mean, before now, he's with Fresno now. His hometown of Elk Grove, California is about two hours away from Fresno. He said, before this, the only way my family could watch me was on MILB.TV. So even the guys mm. themselves know that you too should be watching on MILB TV. <laughs> what, yeah, what no, I mean, that's a pretty good, yeah, that's a pretty good endorsement. I know. it. Uh, yeah. So my game that I'm picking this week is on Friday. Uh, it's at seven 35 Eastern six 35 central. Uh, Biloxi will be in Pensacola. Uh, the reason I'm picking that game is because Corbin Burns will be the starting pitcher for uh, the Biloxi Shuckers. He's now the number seven prospect in the Brewer system uh, after the MLB.com update. He was number 21 at the beginning of the year. He was a fourth-round pick last year. 
I think he still leads minor league baseball in ERA uh, with a 1.36 ERA in 19 starts between Class A Advanced Carolina and Double A Biloxi. Uh, 109 strikeouts, 112 uh, third innings. Um, so not only is he, you know, really limiting runs, but he's also missing bats. He's doing everything you would love to see. Uh, he's got an interesting kind of pitch package. He's got an above average fastball and above average slider. A curveball and changeup that are just kind of there to give other looks, but it all plays up because he has really, really solid control. Uh, the reason why I think that's going to be interesting, I would probably tell you to watch his start regardless, um, but that game against Pensacola will be kind of cool because he'll be going up against Nick Senzel, who is now a top 100 prospect. Or, you know, He was at the beginning of the year, but now he's moved up to number 11 after really showing a good hit tool uh, at Class A Advanced Daytona to start the year. Now he's at Double A. Pensacola, where he's hitting 309 with three homers in 29 games, um, kind of progressing in the way we all thought he would uh, in his first full season after he was the second overall pick last year. So that pitcher versus batter uh, matchup is going to be interesting enough to watch. Um, and I, I would encourage you to tune in just to watch those two guys go against it. But obviously watching Corbin Burns pitch a game is always been exciting this year. So uh, that is my pick for this week's MILB.TV game. What about for you, Tyler? I'm going to go to the San Diego Padres system and friend of the podcast, Cal Quantrill, has been promoted to AA San Antonio and will make the start on Thursday for the missions and the opener of a home series against the Frisco Rough Riders. Um, not only is Cal Quantrill now on that roster in San Antonio, he is the number two prospect in that organization, but the now number 10 prospect in that organization, Josh Naylor, the power-hitting first baseman is also a member of the mission so you can get a chance to see josh naylor who power hitting he's that's his best tool we haven't seen him really break out in that regard yet but sometimes we see that as guys climb they start to face pitchers that leave a lot more stuff in the zone as you do when you climb the ladder so josh naylor um also a member of that missions roster and so far does have a home run in his first couple of weeks in the texas league so those two guys you can get a chance to catch on MILB.TV when the San Antonio Missions host the Frisco Rough Riders in the AA Texas League on Thursday night. And uh, I guess that'll do it. We could do an entire episode of me just ranting about how much I love that Peanuts promotion, so I'm glad you, at least we <laughs> kept that sort of under a time frame that it should have been, kind of. Well, the, that's what bit. we say, but yeah, all the things that we left on the cutting room floor yeah. I think it could be saved for another, maybe this offseason we'll that's just true. have an entire uh, Costanza reference. Next year, somebody's got to do just a full on. Because wasn't 98 the year the show went off the air? Anyway, next year, somebody's got to do like four days where they just do one for. I guess the Peanuts have already done George. But now, well, you might as well be you, Potomac. You might as well do Jerry and Kramer and Elaine <laughs> next year. Do it. Make it happen. It's episode number 120 of the Show Before the Show podcast. He's Sam Dykstra. I'm Tyler Mon. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.